Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, number nine of the 10 to round out 2021. We have an episode today with Joel and Trulio. Joel and Trulio just recently did the finale of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You have seen him on Superbad. You have seen him on MTV's The State. He's popped up on Wanderlust, uh, tons of different movies. He's always funny. He's known as one of the nicest guys in show business, and he did a great job. He doesn't do a ton of podcasts or interviews, so I was really very thankful that he gave his time for this one and was able to come on. And Sharon, he had a really good conversation and kind of got you talking. You just feel like you, you've known him forever. So, again, I just love talking to people that have been around this long and had ups and downs and know just the proper mindset and how to be grateful and appreciative of things. And he does a really good job of putting some of the struggles and things you go through as an entrepreneur or as an artist into perspective that I think can apply to you, whether you are in, again, athletics or real estate or business or just an artist trying to get through as a musician or a comedian or an actor or whatever it may be. There's your general principles that you can apply to pretty much anything in life. So you can get a lot of this episode. Again, big guest land for us. Great guy. Very funny. Legend in the comedy sitcom sketch circuit. MTV's Estate again was one of my favorite shows. So thank you very much for Joe LaTrulio for coming on. And of course, this episode is brought to you in part by Naked Boy Recovery CBD and by Nationwide Business Capital Group. So go to nicknicknick.com slash links. And look under affiliates. You can email Marianne directly from Nationwide Business Capital Group and just tell her, hey, I need some money for deals. The A-Game Podcast sent me, and she will get that ball rolling. It doesn't matter what your credit or your experience, what anything is, start the conversation now and get lined up for 2022. And then also on nicknicknick.com slash links, you put in promo code A-Game for 20% off your CBD, and you'll find all the ways to subscribe to this podcast and to follow us on social media. Please do that as well. Last but certainly not least, if you go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets, you will see a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers, whether you're a wholesaler, broker, or agent. Looking forward to a strong 2022, and I would love to do some real estate with you guys. So once you decide this is something you want to do, whether you're looking to buy properties as flips or as buy and holds, or you're looking to do some wholesaling, you want to sell me some properties, or you're looking to partner on some level and don't really know how that looks, but you'd like to have a conversation, please give me a text at 516-540-5733. That's 516-540-5733. If you'd like to discuss real estate, just text the word real estate. If you'd like to discuss collaborating on this podcast, please just text me the word podcast. Looking forward to it. If I have not responded to you and you've sent me an email or a social media message, I apologize. Please text me on this number and I absolutely will get back to you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Thank you for Joe Julio. My guest today, I'm very excited to have Joe Lutrulio on. Joe Lutrulio is somebody I've been a fan of for a very long time. I'm sure you recognize his face and his name. He's been in the business forever. A writer, director, producer, actor uh, started that. I started seeing on MTV's The State, one of my favorite shows of all time, which we'll definitely talk about. A Wet Hot American Summer, amazing role in Wanderlust, role models. I love you, man. You were hysterical in uh, Frequent 99 Star, Hall, Viva Variety, Reno 911, Party Down, Pitch Perfect, Beer League, and I could go on and on. But again, most importantly, my fellow 
New York native, Joe Latrulio. Yeah. I appreciate you being here today. How are you? How's your family? I'm great. Um, thanks for having me, uh, my fellow Queens uh, uh, resident. Well, not resident, but from Queens. Um, I, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, it's nice to uh, talk to um, New Yorkers. And, um, and then fam- my family's great. We're, uh, we're, we're in California now. We're in Glendale. And, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to have a, have a, a nice uh, pool jump in every now and then. It gets nice. hot. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it took, took a while for the, I'm technically in Chicago right now, but it only really started getting warm very recently. So like the, I was like, I could deal with the quarantine if I at least could just get a little bit of sun. So that's, that's turned a little bit. So I'm trying to just yeah. soak it in and enjoy before the, the seasons turn, you know? So that's cool though, man. So, uh, you know, obviously there's a ton of stuff I definitely like to dig into and talk to you about. One of the first I'd like to hear though is, you know, starting out in New York and I know you moved to Florida, but what got you first interested in, in show business or comedy and just going down that road of being in entertainment? Well, you know, I, I come from a, you know, pretty big, I had a lot of cousins, um, you know, Irish, Italian, and, uh, you know, it was always very fun and there was a lot of laughter and, and, um, and jokes. And I, and I, I think it all kind of began there at the, at the reunions, and the barbecues and the parties and the holidays. Uh, but I always enjoyed performing and acting, um, just performing really wrote, wrote plays as a kid and get them in the living room, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of like professionally, I, it's just something I always knew I wanted to do. I wanted to make movies. It wasn't really even about acting. I, I always did a lot of, uh, small, like super eight films. And, um, you know, a buddy of mine back in the early eighties got one of those first gigantic, like VHS kind of camcorder things. And, and we would make movies. And so it was always really about, movies for me and um did some plays in high school and then decided to go to nyu film school and that's where kind of everything broke open um i mean the earliest memory i have of wanting to be in the biz is uh is kind of seeing jaws uh and i was pretty young and then just wondering like how they did it you know i remember like that that was amazing it was scary obviously i was terrified and but it was the first (laughs) moment where I was like, how did they do that? Look at that. How did that shark come out of the water like that? And I just remember thinking about the, you know, the craft, the, the creation of it all. And I, I think that might've been the beginnings there. Like, how, how can I do stuff? Like that? Yeah. It's funny that you said that. Cause I, I do feel like I'm the weirdo sometimes that instead of just enjoying what the production of it is, I go to yeah. like, where do they come up with that? How many takes was it? And I'm picturing like, even when I watch the state, how funny was it when it's three or four of them in a room and they have it the first time the other guy, like I like listening or just trying to figure out or, or see the flow of how things are created. I love that. The process and the thought behind it, I think is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, it's what I've tried to, you know, base my life on is just creating things, you know, it just leads to <laughs> for me a happier life when you find people you like and you just create stuff. It's a lot easier to, uh, it's a lot harder to create um, than destroy, but like, it's a lot more rewarding, you know? It is, you know, it's funny. I, I did construction for a little while around New York and it was really fun to go in there and demo stuff when you first came in and for like a day or two, but there was no, nowhere near the amount of joy of when you finally see a finished product and it's yeah. built and you're like, the pride I have in that. It's like, oh, you know, people are shopping in a store I built. I completely agree. I totally get it. It's, it's very, very true. Very rewarding. Was your family supportive of you making that decision to go on the lane of entertainment and showbiz? They, they were. They were amazing. Um, my parents are just really 
really great people. Uh, and, and they always were very supportive. Uh, you know, part of it may have been that neither of them had any idea of the, you know, doggy dog world of the, of show business and how difficult it can be. And, um, but they, they knew that I was a kid that had a lot of, um, energy and a lot of perseverance. I didn't quit a lot. And I think they kind of said, well, you know, I, we don't know anything about this industry, but he seems to be able to handle uh, the pressure uh, a little bit. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what they thought, but they were super, super helpful and supportive. Yeah, they were always very proud of it. That's awesome. You know, I, I remember feel- my dad, I'll give you a quick story. My dad, uh, it was when we were doing the state and, uh, you know, our, our first office was in Times Square is at 1515 Broadway. And it was the old office where the TRL was. It's like this corner office with windows and it overlooks Times Square. And it just, it, it was beautiful. And then we had that office and then for the pilot, and then we went up to like, you know, the 45th floor. So one day my dad, you know, they're in Florida at this point, I'm living up in New York. He comes to visit and, uh, and we walk into the lobby of this gigantic office building and there's security there. Of course, you know, you have to kind of show your ID card and everything. And the guy says, uh, good morning. Nice to see you, Mr. Latrulio. And my dad was about to reply when he realized that the security guard was talking to me. And I am at this point, we started the state. I'm, I'm like 22 or 23. You know, maybe, I'm sorry, 24, 94. And my dad, like, it was amazing to see the face of your father. He couldn't believe it. And then, <laughs> and then he took the, the elevator up. And, uh, and then we have all these amazing people helping us make this thing and me and nine and 10 other people are in charge essentially. And it's just, he was always supportive, but I think there was a certain point where he was going to say after graduated, like, okay, at a certain point you need to get like a job that's going to pay, and, you know? And so that was a, a very fond memory I have of, of that. It was, it was a very proud son. That's great. I love that. I used to live on 47th and 7th. So I was there for like I a year. I lived between ninth and 10th. I thought you looked familiar. I knew I knew you from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right there, exactly. Yeah, I was there. I was in that. I was on that block from like 92 until I moved to California in 2006. So I, I was there. I was in the neighborhood for a while. Yeah. Cool. What was, was there a, a bit of a culture shock or how big of a difference was it going from, I mean, New York at that time when like Times Square was Times Square to going yeah. out to California where things are more spaced uh, out. I spent a lot I of time hated, out there too. I hated LA for the first two years I was here. I just didn't like it. Um, but I couldn't complain because I, I got work pretty, uh, pretty, you know, fairly quickly after arriving. But again, you know, I wasn't right off the bus. I had some, some projects like the state and stuff before that, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And it was because I was trying to kind of live like I was still in New York, you know, and it's just, LA is a different city. It's a different city and it has great things about it. I love it now. I love living here now. But at the time I just was like, ah, place is the worst. And so uh, the culture shock was big, you know? Uh, And then, and then I just ended up kind of, as people do, you get sucked in here and, you know, the quality of life is pretty great here. Uh, So, and, and then of course you, you, you gather your group of New York, people, right. That have also moved out <laughs> New York. And then you meet amazing people that are LA natives, you know? So it's like any place, like there's a group, there's, there's great people here, you know, you got to find them. 
Well, you seem like a guy who finds, which I definitely have heard you say, the guy who finds good in every situation. So I, I feel like that's an internal thing that if you're the kind of person who seeks out other good people and finds the positive and where you are, you're going to find that no matter what city you went to, you would have found your people there that you gelled with. I, that's nice to say. I hope so. I, you know, I think that energy, I think energy attracts similar energy, you know, and uh, without getting too, too uh, heady and metaphysical about it. But yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been, you know, uh, more of an optimist. I just like, this is how it is. And, you know, let's, let's get it done. Yeah. You mentioned something that I think is super important to, to touch on that. You said your parents knew you as somebody who always followed through and never quit. Uh, my first question on that is, is that something that you got from your parents or is that just something that you've always, obviously you had it from a young age if they saw it in you that young? I, I, I you know, I don't know. Both, both, both of my parents are, are, are really accomplished people. Uh, you know, my dad worked for American Express for about 40 years, 45 years. And my mom um, was, was a mom, was a housewife for a bit. And then she worked with the school system after we went, uh, when we got into high school. And so, I mean, they, they, they both had goals of their own and I, I was a pretty and still am kind of a restless soul. Like I, I just, I've always kept moving and, and I, I find, uh, I find a little bit of solace in having goals and stuff to do. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it might've, I think that came from just who I am and then um, maybe wanting to get out of Florida and <laughs> wanting to, <laughs> To, to kind of do what I've always wanted to do because uh, it wasn't going to be in Florida. It was going to be in New York or California. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. No, it's a good question. Being in, in the, the, the business that you're in where there's a lot of rejection and, you know, th- of real estate, I, I see a lot of similarities. Feast or famine, mm-hmm. you know, things are you're getting something, you get a verbal, then it never comes to fruition and you're up and you're down. Um, so I feel like that, you know, when people ask me business wise for real estate side, hey, what's what's the one trait you wish? you could have or anybody could have to be successful. That really is the one that I think more than anything, the successful people that I know is just, they don't quit. No matter how hard things get, no matter how deflated they get, they don't let the highs get them too high or the lows get them too low. Um, are you finding similar things that have helped in your career? Because obviously you're uh, yeah. doing something right. If you, I mean, you've been in countless things for years and years and years in a business that most people never even make it on a commercial, let alone have the success and longevity that you have. Well, part of it is tenacity and not wanting to quit. But the real, the, the secret to that is that you really love doing it and don't know what else you can do. So there is like this other side that desperation is not the right word, but it's like this, this is, I love doing it and I'm, I, you know, I'm good at it and I don't know what else I would do. I've had many, 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 many moments where I seriously considered what else do I enjoy doing because I'm kind of over this and the business of it. And I'm, I'm not being part of the things I want to be part of. And that's just, that happens, I think in every business, but I've thought about it. I've thought about like, look, what else could I do? And I, I, I never really came up with an answer that was really fulfilling. I mean, I, I really don't know. I, 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 teachers are amazing and I, and I think I'm a good teacher, but I don't know if that would fulfill me for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, so I've kind of, gone through a lot of different options, you know, for a while I want, I'm like, you know what? I'll just be a forest ranger. I like, <laughs> outside. I like hiking, you know, I like being outside. I'll just do that. I'll learn about bugs and some animals. I'll live in uh, Montana. That sounds fun, you know? And I was serious about it. 
know, and then I was like, what about marine biology? That's great. I like the ocean. So I went through all this, all that stuff. And then it was either too much work to like get the, the degree I needed to do it or, or just be like, I just really want to do this. I want to make movies. I want to act. I want, you know, so I mean, yeah, tenacity and, and not quitting is part of it, but you really have to love it. I mean, you really have to love it. <laughs> you know, if you love real estate or you love making cars or whatever, uh, you know, or designing buildings, like you just got to love it because I mean, there's rejection in so much of it, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel it's it's one of those businesses that you're all in or you're all out there. You know, if you if you're if you're not 100 percent committed, it's going to be a very tough road for you. Well, I find. Yeah, that's true. But I find also a lot of people that have done it give themselves like and, and they give themselves enough time. They're like, I'm taking two years or I'm taking three years. You know, like I think it's crazy. Like I'm going to give myself a year. I love that. That's not crazy. That's it's good. But that's not easy. Like, uh, you know, what, we got lucky in the state because we met each other and there was safety in numbers and we were really passionate, ambitious people uh, that created a group and people noticed. But it's not easy to do it alone. And like it's some, it takes time to kind of build mainly build uh, you realizing who you are exactly, what you have to offer, why you're dr- different as a writer, or as, as an actor, like what, what's special about you? Because that's all the business is. Um, and they're going to do it anyway. The business is going to be like, well, he's one of these guys, you know, yeah. uh, which is fine. You know, uh, you have to know kind of where you're at. And then if you're lucky, you get success. And then you're able to do all these kind of pet passion projects to show the business that you're not just digressing a little bit, but like what I'm saying is like, you need to give yourself enough time. But I like the people that say I'm giving it this because there's the other end of the spectrum where I see people that are still doing it like 15 years later. And that's great. I'm not tracking that, but they're either not happy or they're bitter or they're not that good, but they're like, I'm still doing it. You're like, well, you (laughs) seem like you're miserable, man. Like why are you still doing it? And then there are those that are still doing it that much and are like full of joy and they're just loving getting whatever part they get. And then they're doing like a little play with friends that maybe a handful of people, whatever it is, but they're happy and that's great. So then keep doing it. You know, I love it. I think that makes complete sense. And the, um, the state touching on that, I heard a a couple of different variations of how you guys came together from different people. I know Kevin Allison's story was a little bit different, but I know you went to NYU and you guys met. And I think you, Kevin Allison, met you like the first day he was there. But how did that come together? Well, Kevin was in uh, was in a a film class uh, uh, with me, and that's where I met Kevin. And um, Mike Jan, who wasn't in the group at the time, was also in that film class. Um, And then, and and so the three of us and, and another uh, guy in the class created a, uh, a group, you know, like in the class, like a film, we all did film. So that was my introduction to Kevin uh, and, 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 and Jan. Um, my personal introduction to the group was, so, so Showalter was in the dorm room right across from me uh, at NYU and we became uh, fast friends and they, there were auditions for this other group. You know, this story has been told a million times. I'm sure by that too. This other group called St- Sterile Yak. And so I just went and, and I went to the audition. I didn't really want to do it, but I like Mike and I wanted to meet people. I just gotten there to NYU. And so I, I just did it, but I was a pretty annoyingly serious <laughs> dude. Like when I got, got, that, got there, I was, 
you know, very self-important and, um, you know, I'm going to be going to make great films. If I'm an actor, it's going to be De Niro or Pacino. It's, gonna be, <laughs> it's all serious shit. And, yeah, that's all right. You know, you come in, you know, you're young. You, you have a lot of different ideas. So I'm not going to knock myself too hard, but I'm glad I caught it because I was just kind of intolerable at the time. I, I <laughs> you know. So, yeah. And so that was my introduction. Then I got, a, got in the group and we, and then, and then people came and went. And then the, the group, as it is now, I think it's been around, you know, certainly before we got to N- uh, MTV. It's, it's such a great show. And I, I think um, one of the comparisons I was giving it to is a lot, of, a lot of the shows and movies that come on now, I'm constantly like, that person's from the state, that person's from the state, that person's from the state. Like, if you backtrack all of you guys on there and the films and the TV and the voiceovers and stuff you guys have done since that show, like, it's, you can tie it back more than Kevin Bacon, the way that everybody's like, the greatest ever. <laughs> Tie things back to the state. Everything goes back to the state. It's just you guys have made such a big splash over the years. And I was such a huge fan of that, that I was telling Kim Marino about it. But even now, I just went and I've been watching all of them. And they're just as funny, if not more funny now, because now that I'm a little older, I actually understand some of the jokes more. But it holds up to this day just as funny. And, you know, I thought it was just me and my friends that were obsessed with it. And, you know, we'll still call each other and throw, you know, we do the Barry and Levons and all the jokes back and forth with the zoom with the state the amount of people that were on there i was like oh this is so amazing we were really humbled by it we were humbled by it i was humbled by it i i I was really lovely and um and also seeing everyone was lovely you know you get older you don't see everybody as much somewhere in the east coast over here uh but it was really i just loved the vibe of it i was wary of uh, of it not because i didn't want to work with everyone of course i did but just the medium itself but what was really awesome was that one of the things the group had always been proud of, and this is directly from a result of its founder, from Todd Hollebeck, was the many different kind of mediums that this creative group of people would explore their voice in. So, you know, at the time when we formed in like the late 80s, excuse me, like, you know, there was, you know, video was just kind of coming out. We, we were a live theater group, but we would add like short little videos in our thing. And then and then eventually we added some some small like audio sketches and 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 then so now here we are you know 25 30 whatever it is years later and now we're doing this zoom thing and, and I was really excited about that because I thought it 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 went really well and we I thought we used the the medium pretty well too uh and it was just really great that response that we got from from everyone was really special I I thought it was outstanding it was hysterical it was great to see everybody and um one of, did, did you guys realize how big, popular, and what a solid cult following that show had? Uh, n- not at this, not in 2020, no. Like, I, I knew that we had, like, you know, a following back in the day and maybe a little bit after. And, but I, no, I, I, I didn't know uh, how. I, I think a lot of us expected maybe, you know, five or 600 people. <laughs> we didn't really be that many. Uh, so I was surprised, um, but, but, you know, my wife, um, is just the best. And she's like, you know, you guys really did make an impact probably more than, you know, on a lot of people. And it was, it's always just very surprising to me because I feel very lucky to have been part and fallen into this group of people that ended up like creating such, uh, you know, such, such material that people have just been responding to for so many years. It's really humbling. I think it's amazing. And uh, I know I've, I've heard you saying some really great things about the charity thing 
So uh, I know you're big on giving back. So the amount of money you guys were able to raise, I think it was $90,000 and still going with the sales, of the t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. It has to feel outstanding too, on top of that. It did. It feels great. And we have everyone that's donating to thank really. Um, it's, it's really great. And, and show Walter just did a great uh, t-shirt as well. Like he and I were the kind of illustrators of the group and we did a lot of stuff for the show and, um, and we just had an interest in that. So uh, I was really happy that he had the time to do that. It came out great. It did. I really appreciate it. I, I was a big fan of it. And, uh, now, the, the business side of that, what I always think is interesting is as I've grown in doing real estate and being an entrepreneur over the years, working with people always has great intentions. But then when people have different opinions or things aren't going the way that they wanted to, Mm-hmm. things start to fall apart and get really sticky and it could bring out the best or it could bring out the worst in somebody very fast, especially when there's money on the line and stress. And, and with the state, you, know, you guys had about a guys and girl that were all talented, young, a personality, you know, yeah. on TV. And it didn't look like or hear from what I'm, I'm gathering that there was really one person that was in charge or, or leading the pack. Right. What was that like trying to deal with all the different personalities and different creative tones and how has that helped you working in that situation carry over to future projects personally and professionally? Uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a dysfunctional nightmare. I mean, um, and I say I say that kind of looking back fondly because, you know, there's time away from it. You know, it, it was and it's been described like this. It was a it was a dysfunctional family where people we met each other when we were 17. We truly loved each other. We we all had uh, a specific vision on what we thought the the group should be and what we thought our roles in the group should be. And of course, there's going to be conflict there. There were there were people that were stronger writers than others, or people that were stronger performers than others. Um, so it was it was really hard. It was really difficult. And I think you know towards the end, it was necessary for us to take that break because. We were also at that point, you know, 26 years old, you know, around 96, I think is when we all kind of like split up and we been get it for like nine years. We'd grown like 17 years old, to 26 years old, man, you change. There's a lot of new things that you're thinking of and want to do. And um, so it was very difficult. So I think, you know, handling it democratically was very good, but it also by its nature kind of lent itself to a rudderless machine. And I think, you know, that was good and bad. It was good because everyone, there was no one person saying, this is what we're doing. Um, so there was always a lot of conversation and that was good. There was always a lot of talking, you know, about the issue and that's good. And sometimes it, it was like, drove you crazy, but <laughs> I think ultimately it had to be done because you wanted to make sure everyone had a voice because that was what the kind of founding ideal that Todd uh, created uh, what it was. It was like, everyone's going to have a voice in this group, you know, and sometimes the voices were louder than others, but everyone was going to find it. And, uh, you know, it was like, a, it was a learning, it, it was a, it was a very much a learning experience. And so for the second part of your question, like how, how did that help me is that, you know, you learn to listen, <laughs> you learn to collaborate, you learn that there are other there are other ideas that can be offered that may make the final product better. Uh, and so it's, you know, I describe the state as kind of like a comedy boot camp because I never really wrote 
you know, I wrote in high school, like short stories and horror stories and stuff like that, but I never wrote sketches. And I learned how to write a sketch. If I wanted to get a, a sketch on the show, I was going to have to write. So I think it taught everyone how to do that. Um, and then I found that the most rewarding thing was when you did the sketch or, or, or the movie or whatever you do, it felt so much better when you, you saw everyone kind of doing it and it was a product of a bunch of people. So from there, I work with, you know, uh, Judd Apatow and, and, and Seth and all those guys, when I got into that crowd, I took that. I'm like, these are funny people. Like, let's all be funny. They created a safe, comfortable environment. Uh, like we mostly did in the state as, you know, as con conflicting as it was, the environment was very safe. So we were able to kind of express, express yourself. Uh, and then, and then going from, uh, from there to, to, to Brooklyn uh, as well. Like that's, that's a very ensemble show to Reno 911. You know, I had a lot of those guys from the state, but that's, that's a, you, it was about, I found that the most rewarding projects were projects where people collaborated and took their ego out of it. And so that's, that's what I kind of learned from the state, you know, because egos, including my own, were coming into the, to the process, the state towards, towards the end, you know. That's great. Yeah. One of my mentors always tells me your ego is not your amigo. Yeah. Check it at the door. Very so true. I always try to remember that. But the, um, you know, the, some of the things you were saying there about working with different people and collaborating, I didn't realize that so much of Reno 911 was actually improv and ad-libbed. I, I saw oh, Nick Swartzen in uh, LA at, at uh, he was doing an improv or, or like, you know, we went to go see him do stand-up and he yeah. was talking about how he thought it was only going to go on for a few weeks. And then like 13 years later, he's still in roller skates, like walking right. around, but right. made me go back and watch the whole series. And that was even more impressive to me now which I, I guess probably helped from, like you said, learning the sketches and learning how to be on your feet like that, going to other projects like Reno 911 has to be an easier transition than other actors who are doing something different. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I was pretty nervous about that because uh, doing Reno that first uh, that season, you know, long ago, um, because I, I, I wasn't really trained in improv. And although in the state we'd have rehearsal and we'd ad lib and stuff, that's very different than improv. And so I was pretty nervous about it. Um, you know, and of course, Tom and Ben and Carrie were, were great and we're like, it'd be fine. And, but then who really, whose opinion really kind of helped me was Ian Roberts, who, you know, founded, you know, Upright Citizens Brigade with, with Amy and Matt Walsh and Matt Besser. And, you know, he, he was just great. I remember walking back to the car after kind of going over all the, you know, we had a big binder of the scenarios, uh, season six and, and what happens is the whole Reno cast gets around and we kind of just talk to them. We don't act them out, but we're like, here's the game and everything. And that was helping. I remember walking back from that to my car with Ian. And he's like, oh, man, you can be fine. You can be good. And uh, that, that went a long way because I have uh, so much respect for him, obviously, as, a, as an improver, along with, you know, all those guys at UCB. Yeah, you're constantly surrounded with great people and you always hold your own and carry and rise to the occasion on it. And I love it. Anytime I see your anything, I'm always ordering it on Prime without even really knowing what it's about. I'm like, Joe Trulio's in? I'm going to get it. I'm going to watch it. And it, it never disappoints, man. I, I really enjoy high, all this stuff that you're doing. Um, but, you know, I, I, a lot of the people, um, you know, my friend's kids, they're big into the, the freaks and geeks types of cast. You know, they uh -huh. see Seth Rogen and all these guys. And yeah. I think of it a little bit like that with you guys from the state that 
they see a lot of these guys that are in the movies now and they don't realize that they were all on that TV show together. Right. So, you know, I hear in a lot of industries that, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I feel like it's cool to me to watch the way that you guys have constantly been in projects together again over and over through the years. It's, you know, back together in Wanderlust, same guys from the state. Yeah. You know, what do you attribute that to that you guys have always been able to hold that bond and work together and be able to help bring each other into other projects, um, you know, because I, I heard you say a comment one time about how you like being around people that just work harder than you. And that's to me what mm -hmm. I, I make this whole podcast about is I'm so used to on people that don't want to give it their best. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to do their part. They just want to be lazy. And when you start to see people that are doing the opposite and they're bringing their A game to everything and they're working their butts off and they're really going above and beyond it, you know, it raises the tides of everybody else and you're either going to sink or you're going to rise with it. And I feel like that's what all you guys have done. Yeah, well, we like to work together because we like each other. That's the first thing. And then the other is that there's a um, we're good. At, we're good at what we do. We've been doing it for a while. And and so, you know, that you can create things with this group of people. Um, there's also just on like a logistical and production level. Uh, you know, you know, these people can deliver, you know, they know their job. Well, there's a shorthand in terms of notes and 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 what you're going for in the scene or what you're going for in the vibe of the movie and so there's a lot of time that you're saving that you it's not a waste when you're bringing new people because they're going to bring something new which is great but but you have there's a bit of an ease there's a bit of a trust that when when you're in it day of and like you're trying to you know you know you're losing light or you got to get stuff done or you're like you just it's good to have people that you know can can do it well and, and do it quickly. Uh, but mainly it's because you know, you have a good time. You just have a good time with those. People. Like it's, it's like the, it hits that pleasure center. It's like, you know, from, you know, you're like, Oh, I had a great time with that, with, with that dude, that group. Yeah. I want to do that again. Let's just do that again. Let's do that. You know, it's, it's partly yeah. that. I agree. And I, I think the mindset shift is, is a big piece of that too. And I, I've heard you talk a little bit about it, which I really would love to dig deeper into with you is just, being able to find the positive and the joy in everything you're doing and be happy with where you're at. Because I, I've heard you say it a few different ways, but mm -hmm. you know, you have to be ready that like when things are going to happen, they're going to happen. Like when it's your time, it's your time. But until then be present and, and be appreciative of everything there. And I know you shared a story about being on burning love and, and not really being engaged yes. with where you are and looking yeah. for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think too many people don't really enjoy the journey and that, I almost see it burning. Like, I don't want to do these little real estate deals or I don't want to do these little shows. But if you don't go and, and bring your best to that, there is nothing else. Like, it's, it's you're only as good as your last day. So you have food on your plate today, eat it. You can't worry about going out the next day. And you mentioned that once you started doing that and really just thought like, you know, I have to be appreciative of the opportunity and just kick every opportunity's ass. Then more opportunities started coming because people saw the reflection in what you were doing. And like you said, being reliable, being easy to work with. So how has that mindset shift helped and, and how do you remind yourself? Because I feel like it's, you know, the old, you got, it's like showering every day. You got to remind yourself of it and keep doing it. It's, it's a muscle and people like to go negative quick, but, you know, you have to practice being positive. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I know what I know what you're referring to. It's it's um, it's about it's about being patient for sure. But it's also it's about taking action, right? Every action has. um every action is going to cause something to happen um good or bad but what doesn't what doesn't have you know uh, the, the where you get stuck is when you kind of stay still 
or stay stagnant or let your mind go in a loop. So um, <laughs> really metaphysical stuff here, but like, like the, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, especially when you've been doing it for a while, when you're not getting what you want, you feel like you're on the wrong path and you, it's impossible for you to be on the wrong path because <clears throat> that's where you are, you know? And so, but the, da- the danger is, is, is kind of spinning out and thinking that it's never going to come. And that may happen, but if you're kind of in, in your zone of why you're doing it, then you're not going to be upset about that, you know? And, and also it will come because I've always felt that, uh, being creative, uh, will, will bring fruit. I, you know, I just believe that. And it's like, there's dark times, there's dark times, but it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like a soul check. You just, you kind of have to, you kind of not even beat yourself up. It's not like, you know, get it together. Stop bitching about it. Stop crying about it. It's not that. That's not, that's not that. It's like pushing yourself through the, through the, through the pain, through the disappointment, through the sadness. It's there. That's where, that's what you have right now. It doesn't stay. Nothing stays. Success doesn't stay. Failure doesn't stay. The, the show doesn't last forever. You know, the, the character you create is going to end. Nothing stays. Everything moves forward. Everything changes. So like if once you're aware of that, you, it's hard to get down because you're not going to stay dark for too long. You can't stay dark for too long. Something's going to happen. You know, so I think maybe that's what you were referring to because um, I was talking to my, I think, I think that was on my buddy, Mike Rosenbaum on, on his podcast. I was yes, yeah, talking yeah, about was. Burning, burning Love and, and how that was a real tough time, that moment for me, you know, that, and, uh, and yet that show was amazing. And I had a great time when I was doing it, like, um, you know, acting and in it. And I was so proud to be part of it. Uh, but there were those moments between takes where I was just really in my head. So I'm glad, I'm glad I got through that, uh, with the help of some good friends. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to not, I think you just have to realize that you, you have your own, um, your own clock, your own clock happens, you know, and you just got to trust it. Agree. You know, I believe that everything, I, I, I always believe that everything happens for a reason, but as I'm getting older and definitely agreeing with that, it's not only does it happen for a reason, but it happens when it's supposed to. And I, I think of some of the successes I've had and I go, well, why couldn't I have had that when I was 25? And the reality is that I don't think I would have any money I would have made in real estate when I was 23, 24 years old. I, I wouldn't have now. And who knows what kind of bad decisions I wasn't mature enough for it then. So, yeah. you know, again, I, I think again, it, you got to just have that faith and put the work in and be patient. And also, you know, getting back to your earlier point and the name of your podcast, the A game and bring your A game. You have to surround yourself with people that are better than you. I, I mean, that's what I try to do. I mean, then it's going to raise your game, but it's also going to make you better. <clears throat> also, sometimes you don't have that choice. Right. And and there's things to be learned from everyone. You know, there's you watch a you watch a, a bad movie, right? And you look at that and you're like, well, why didn't it work? You know, I, I you know, I I hate people that, especially for independent movies, where they say, like, ah, that movie sucked. Like, yeah, have you tried to make a movie? Like, <laughs> have you done it? Talk to me. Talk to me when you've actually done the movie. Like, and and so any movie that's made, I applaud. It doesn't mean I may not like it, it may not be my taste, and it may not have worked or not, but like I would never save a movie like that was not worth doing 
you know, movies suck. Like, you know, I, I get it. I'm not, you know, but <clears throat> that movie should have been made and that was made and kudos to whoever did it because, uh, you know, it's an accomplishment. So anyway, you got to get back to people that are, are better than you. And that's, and that's how you succeed. That's in any book. That's not, this is not any wisdom here. Like any success book will tell you that. And it's true because, <laughs> you know, be willing to learn, be, be humbled by, instead of being like, oh man, he's so good. He got that thing. Like and you are around this person. Check it out. What's, what's she doing? That's so good. How, how, you know, why, why is she nailing it? Like, so learn, you learn from, from people that are better than you, you know, keep it jealous. I think that. Thing. I think it's amazing. He, even this is my friend's shirt, the Aljamain the Funk Master Sterling. He's about to be fighting for a, uh, the UFC Bantamweight title. And it's the same thing where, you know, I've been training with these guys for years doing jujitsu and boxing and all these things. And they get up and they fight on pay per view and lose. And people are on their computers. Oh, you suck, you bum. It's like, but he's a world class athlete. How many yeah. fights do you have? You don't even go to the gym. You know, and you're going to judge right, this person. Right. right. I, it's, it's the crazy Ever. And, and uh, you know, and that that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is as I put myself out there more, which is nowhere near the scale that these guys are, where they're risking getting beat up on national TV or yeah. or you going and putting out something that you wrote or something that you're acting in. And now with social media that everybody's got an opinion, but nobody's yeah. got the balls to try yeah. what you're doing. And the people that are around you that are in your business and the people that are training with my buddies who are fighters, they're never going to criticize the person for yeah. going after it and for trying like they understand yeah. that is. But how do you deal with that? Because I can picture it, especially now with Twitter being such a scary thing to put yourself out there like that and have to deal with all that criticism, that nonsense. How do you shut that off and not listen to it? Well, that, you know, that takes a lot of practice. But, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all them both, but they're, they're nightmares. They're hellscapes. They're, they're, are, they are, they're terrible places to go to get validation or get direction from. You know, they just are. And so you just have to understand what that medium is and what social media is. You know, the, the, I have the group of people that know me, that respect me, that I look to, to say like, is this shit? Is this, was this, how's this screenplay? Or like, how's this performance? Uh, everyone else, like they can give the opinion, like everyone's entitled to the opinion, but I'm, and it, it might even hurt, you know, to be like, but I'm not going to take too much stock in it because, you know, to your point, I don't know what they're doing, you know, but they, you know, they're not, let me see what they did. You know, like I, like just I, it, critics are always um, funny people. <laughs> like, you know, that was a lesson, even with the state after our first season, when everyone hated us and all those, those critics just like nearly, and that hurt, man, that was our heart and soul. And <clears throat> we were also young. And so we were a little thin skinned as well, but, um, but yeah, I, I handle it in a way where I just try to keep my, my focus on what I want to, whether I'm satisfied with the output of, of what I did, you know, like, you know, there, and the, the people that I truly trust that are they, are they satisfied? No, no one, anyone that's close to me, that's a friend of mine is never going to, it could say like, man, that didn't work, <laughs> which is fine, but they're never going to be like, man, I don't know why you did that. You shouldn't have done that. Like, why did you go for that? Like, that was terrible. What a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, if if they do feel like that, it's because like I'll say an idea before I actually do it, and be like, "No, man, that's awful. Don't you dare do that." You know, <laughs> I had a but I had a buddy of mine. I had a buddy of mine went through a breakup, and uh, what breakup went went through a divorce, and 
this was a while back and and uh we're having a you know i had been divorced at the time already at like a year before it happened to this person and he we're, we're at the bar some bar in new york in hell's kitchen and he's like you know um i think i'm gonna just get a tattoo i'm like oh yeah he's like yeah i'm gonna get a tattoo right on my forearm on, on my wrist there it's just, and it's just gonna say breathe and i just looked at him and i and i started laughing and i saw that he wasn't kidding and i'm like don't fucking do that you idiot what are you, what are you doing what do you mean don't do that and i and i remind him of it because i'm like do you know how close i could have been to making you screw have a have the joke of a lifetime on your wrist for the rest of your life you like and 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 he laughs every time because it's true uh but yeah so you know i like friends that call me on really dumb ideas before i do them so i'll never I'll, I'll never, I'll never fault anyone that does that. Yeah, no, I think it's super important to, to have people that can, and like you said, it sucks whenever my partner's like, you did this, it wasn't good. Or my friend, Corey D'Amber was just giving me some feedback on the podcast. And it's like, when it comes from somebody that you know, that it's coming from a good place, it's totally different than some idiot on social media. That's just shooting you down and make themselves feel better. Sure. They haven't done. And, you know, I think, like you said, that goes back to the the people that you're around and who you're surrounding yourself with. So, uh, you know, another thing that, that reminded me of it is the, the personal comparison I can only imagine is exponentially bigger in your realm than it is in mine, but I'll be on Facebook and I'll see somebody I know that landed a deal or, or, you know, got a big check for some property that they flipped or something. And my initial reaction used to be like, oh man, like, well, why then? Why not me? And then I'm like, no, you know what? That guy worked his ass off to get that. And now good for him. Cause if he can, that means that I can do it. And I would use it to kind of leverage me and then I, I would, I would celebrate their wins. And then I would find that those same people would celebrate mine. And, um, with you being in that group, going over the years of seeing people that you guys all started out the same way, did that help give you that confidence when you were like, okay, cool. Thomas Lennon just landed a show. Like I'm coming up any day now because I know that it's real because he's doing the, you know, just when you know somebody that's been in the same shoes as you, that you see, yeah at that success. And I'm sure, sure. you're doing the same thing. For your yeah. Other guests. Yeah. It does. It does help. I mean, look, you, you, I'm never going to be able to escape comparison. I don't know if anyone could be really honest with themselves and say that they can completely escape comparison and not succumb to jealousy. I mean, that's just for human. That's, that's where, that's where we go and that's okay. <clears throat> I think um, what you need to remember is that there's enough for everybody. You know, you need to believe in abundance. Like, uh, if you believe in abundance, which I do, then you're going to be okay. I mean, there really is enough to go around. That's why you can apply that not just to the entertainment industry. That's everywhere. Uh, um, and so, once you kind of get grasp that, um, then it, it it eases some of that other more more negative thoughts that come in with that. You know. Because you're right, along your lines, you're like, I can do that. Like, and you can, you can do that. But more importantly, like all that'll be there when you're ready to do it or when you're able to do it too. No one's taken all the pie. You know, like there's 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 enough there. So you do that, then then you kind of ease back and you're able to be like, ah, that's great, man. He did it. Yeah, he got that thing, he got that thing. Like, ah, I can't wait to get mine when it comes, you know. So touching on that, was there a point? Was there a, on set or a show or a time that you remember just looking around and being like, holy shit, like I, I made it. You know, I'm in a movie with Jenna Radiston or like a movie I just wrote or a show I just wrote is out there. Yeah. 
When did the reality set in that you actually hit the level that you were looking for? Did it never? I, I can tell you the moment. I walked into uh, my bungalow in Santa Fe, New Mexico, when I arrived on location to shoot Paul in 2009. I guess we shot it. Uh, and there was a big old, like, you know, greeting basket from either Universal or it might have been from Simon and Nick or, but what it, but it, but I walked in to my own like bungalow and a fruit basket and I just kind of broke down in tears. That was it. I'm like, this is what I've wanted. I've wanted to be working with. Um, Simon and Nick who have been fans of and still are for the longest time, but also I, I'm in a, I'm in a, a big movie. I'm in a big movie with lots of great people, uh, on location. Like I just really, uh, that was a big moment for me. Um, so that's, yeah, that was it. It was that moment. And, and, and which isn't to say that I wasn't enjoying and really happy and moved by all the successes I had before that I really was. Another one was like beer league when I got that, you know, that was kind of the first project I got. It's separate from the state and everyone in it. You know, I got that. I, you know, I went out and, and, you know, and so that was another big step because that was close to, it wasn't close to the break of the boot of the group of the state. It was a little bit after that, but it was the first kind of project that I got just being Joe and not being part of a larger thing. <clears throat> so those were two, those were two big moments for me. Both outstanding movies of, you know, beer league, great movie. I love Paul. I Your love roles, beer league. You put me Paul and Jimmy Palumbo, uh, you know, Every now and then, I haven't uh, talked to him in so long or texted him in so long, but we're all like, when are we doing Beer League 2? Yeah. yeah I, I love it. I, I love that movie. And, and Frank Sebastiano is such a great, great writer and great and terrific director. And like, he just, he's so, he was so good. That, and, and Artie, of course, brilliant. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just, I love that movie. So unapologetic. Like, <laughs> it's just the best. You know, and a bunch of just a, a bunch of New York, Italian, a bunch of Italians in it. And, you know, uh, it's just, a, I loved it. Such a great experience. Yeah, it's very much my humor. And I was actually watching uh, last week. I was I was watching Paul, and I watched uh, some of your scenes in Superbad. Every time it pops up, I'll watch it. But your scenes in all of those movies that are hysterical movies, start to finish. I feel like your spots in them always stick out as some of the highlights and the funniest parts in those. I just I really like all your cameos in those movies, man. You do a great job. You really you really bring an element in a movie that's already a great funny movie. You always seem to make it funnier. I, I really I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. That's very cool to say. It's it's funny. It's uh. You, um, you know, when you get parts like that and, and, you know, I had this thought that I would, you know, just have a career in movies, even if it was just a character actor. Right. You know, and, and which is what I'd want to be and what I am more importantly, but like, you know, in the beginning, when you get those scenes, you're like, I got three scenes to like really dig into. And so he was like, and that's what you do. And, uh, you know, um, and then and then you get older and you get wiser and you're like, oh, it's not really about just me and that scene. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you just start to see like the larger the larger picture. So uh, but thanks. That's those are those, those were very um, those were important movies to do because they just helped me kind of find find my way and my my role in, 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 in movies. My partner. Do you try and pick um, mostly roles if you have a say that that are things that you think is funny and you enjoy? Because, you know, talking to musicians, sometimes the music that they play is really not the genre that they like. They just it's mm. more like their job to them. And, you know, you're pretty consistent with a lot of your stuff. But I mean, those movies are hysterical and timeless and funny. But I mean, is that your humor anyway? Yeah. Yeah. That's my humor anyway. I mean, yeah. Um, it's also you kind of go where where the work is right i mean that's just kind of where it led it made sense after like the state and some other stuff and 
friends and you know i was i was funny and and so you find yourself in those places and then you kind of make them what you want to make them and then you see where it can go you know what where where it leads you but uh yeah that's my sense of humor yeah for sure yeah how is being a dad and a family man change your perception on going down to the career maybe getting roles not roles keeping you motivated you know i was listening to um uh, his fighter Forrest Griffin, and he was like, "Man, I just realized if I fight and I lose, at the end of the day, my wife still loves me, my mom still loves me, my kids still loves me." He's like, "I get to go home and just be dad, and they're not gonna remember me at the end of the day." Of like, "Well, right. yeah, my dad did all these great things, but remember when he lost his fight or didn't get this role?" Yeah. So, I mean, how has your perspective changed with that and having that supportive family at home? Very close to, uh, very close to his. I mean, it, it's. Um... You know, I, I've been very lucky. I, I've done I've done a lot so far. So if it ends tomorrow, I'm going to be bummed. But I'm like, I, I did, you know, everything but one thing. And so, you know, I'm working on that one thing. But like the the the. Being, having a family is really. Wonderful. Uh, I, I love it. And and it's great to have a wife who's also a part of it and part of the industry. Um, you know, you. Logistically, you try to get projects that are just close to home. Like neither of us want to be going, you know, away for like six months. Um, you know, depending on the job, we work it all out. That's the life of an actor. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it has changed the perspective where you know I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard to get what I want. But if I don't get it, that's all right because this is the best thing that I've made so far. Family, you know? that's so, really awesome. Yeah. Again, I appreciate you being very generous with your time. Um, this last section I like to call the victory lap. Just a couple of <laughs> closing questions here. So yeah. um, my first question for you is what do you, what do you do to unplug? So, you know, get out of your own head, go home. Cause for, you know, for me, I was, I'd say I go home and watch a movie, but maybe if you're trying to get a movie, that's the last thing you want to do. So what do you do to reset I, yourself? I, um, I, I, I sit outside with a martini uh, and I just kind of like, uh, Think about the day or or not think about the day. I'll swim. I swim every day. I swim in high school, and that's something that stayed with me. Um, meditate, you know, I'll try to every day for like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I, that's what I usually do to reset. Um, I, I love I still love watching movies. I always will. Um, I'll binge shows. Uh, but I, I also like to get out to the desert. I'll go to Joshua Tree a lot. And um and, and chill out there and read and, and do whatever to unplug. But yeah, it's mostly, I try to get outside. Try to get outside to help me unplug a bit. Great. That's awesome. What was one of the worst jobs you've ever had prior to getting into show business? Uh, I worked at the Gap for about three weeks and uh, it was horrendous and I hated <laughs> it. And I knew I was going to be bad at it. And I was, and they, they gave me a pull. They took a, they, I, I folded a display for about four hours, a very particular way. You got to fold the gap up. And then when I was done, the manager took a Polaroid of it and gave it to me. And they're like, this is great. This is for you. You can keep that. And I said, uh, I quit. This is the, <laughs> the saddest thing that's ever happened to me. So yeah. Awesome. Pretty bad. Nice. Was that in uh, Cal- in Florida or California? That New was York? in, that was in uh, New York, I believe that was in New York. And I needed, you know, I was getting, I needed clothes too, and he got a good discount. So I think that's why I took it. Yeah, I'll give a quick shout out to my friend Terry, who uh, used to run a, a scam stealing jackets from the Gap. That's what comes to every time when hey. they were young. So he, yeah. he got fired. <laughs> it didn't uh-huh. work out well. 
Um, what is your favorite sketch from the state? Um, man, that's tough. I like Sal and Frankie and I like Cutlery Barn. You know, um, <laughs> that's it. Those are first. There's a lot, but like uh, Cutlery Barn is, 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 uh, is, is a top, top favorite. Awesome. Do do you go back and watch them still? I don't. I don't. Uh, my I showed a couple to my son. Um, I showed uh, toothbrush and um, uh, choking where we're doing. You know the the where it's me and and Ben and Ken Marino in the restaurant. You know, I'm doing <laughs> yeah. So I showed those two. I, I haven't seen them in a, in a long time. I think uh, I'll be doing that. You know, pretty, yeah, pretty, I don't know. I don't know when, but I'd like to do that someday. And just like, because a lot of them I've forgotten, to be honest. It's so funny. Even that, it's the craziest thing. Like, I can't remember my keys, but as soon as you said toothbrush, I haven't seen it in years. And I still remember toothbrush came back and yeah. he started a family. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's awesome. Timeless stuff, man. So um, last couple questions. One of them is, and it's a little bit more philosophical, but knowing what you know now in life. If there was a time machine and a younger Joe Latrulio came up and asked you for advice starting out, what advice would you give a younger you today? Um, I think I would just tell him to, to chill out. Early me, early 20-year-old me, I would tell him to chill out a bit. Like, I think I was very impatient and wanting things to happen very quickly. Um, it's hard to say chill out and your time will come to a 20 year old. I probably wouldn't have responded well, but I, <laughs> I think I would at 20, but I think I would probably tell myself that. Yeah. And, 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 uh, take a look around and see the success that you already have so far. Um, even if they're small, like don't disregard the small victories. They're very important. Great advice. I appreciate it. What's next for Joe Latrulio? Where can people find you and what stuff are you working on right now? Um, I, let's see right now, I, we, I almost went into production on a movie that I, that I wrote, uh, and would be directing It's a horror movie. We had to stop for a number of reasons, mainly COVID. Um, but we hope to shoot that next summer and that's how I have straight horror movies. So I'm very excited about that. And, um, right now there's a, a, a very small independent movie called here a while, uh, starring Anna camp and Stephen Strait, and it's about, uh, it's, it's a very earnest movie, it's a very sweet movie, but it's heavy-duty, tearjerker movie. Um, that's out on, I think, iTunes or Amazon, it's called Here a While, it's, it's streaming. Um, and those are the two immediate uh, things that, are, that, are, that I'm working on right now. And then Brooklyn could probably start up in our uh, next season, maybe start shooting again, maybe in September. We'll see, we have no date on that, so that's a guess. But yeah, that's what's up next. Um, what are your, some of your handles of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm on uh, uh, both Instagram and Twitter, both just my name at uh, Joe DeLuchulio. Yeah. Outstanding, and, uh, man. Hey, yeah. I had a great time, Nick. I, thanks Thank for you. having me. And this has been awesome. And uh, good luck with the podcast. And you're a very easy guy to talk to. And uh, here's to New York and Queens. Thanks. Likewise, man. Again, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this and being so generous with your time. Very down to earth. It was very big of you to do this. I've been a, a huge fan for a very long time. And, uh, I, I can't thank you enough, man. I wish you the best of luck in everything. I'll be watching, following, subscribing, and buying anything you put out. Joe Latrulio, ladies and gentlemen, uh, have a safe and happy. I uh, hope your family and everybody's well, and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Right on. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, that was Joe Latrulio from 
everything. I mean, what a great guy. Uh, so normal, so easy to talk to. Um, you know, just everything I thought he would have been, he is. And that, that was a really cool thing for him to do and for all those guys to do. And if you guys have not seen uh, the shows that he's in, I mean, he's just he's so good in everything. Super bad, classic, classic scene. Paul is hysterical. The state, obviously, I talk all the time. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer. He's great on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's hysterical and I love you, man. And he touched on a lot of things that I think are very relevant to real estate, to business, to being an entrepreneur, a lot of appreciating and celebrating your wins and the comparing yourself to other people. And, you know, a lot of just, um, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people, being positive, seeing who, you know, having that support at home, um, just looking around and taking the small steps and slowing it down and the mindset behind it. And a lot of the philosophical stuff, I keep saying how you do anything is how you do everything. And there's really no difference. If you didn't know he was an actor, if I interviewed him, I would have asked, and I do ask pretty much the same exact questions that I would to somebody who is an athlete or a musician or a real estate guy or a stock guy or, or whatever it is that they want to do. It all comes down to the same thing. You know, you got your wins, you got your losses, people that are going to be haters, people are going to be critics. But at the end of the day, you surround yourself with a good core of people that have your best intentions, people you enjoy being around. You, you work your ass off at everything you do. You bring your best and you're just patient and you wait and good things are going to happen. And it takes everyday practice. You know, you see all the movies he's in, but you don't see all the stuff that he didn't get. And that's not what matters at the end of the day. People are not going to remember him as the guy who didn't get 300 auditions. They're going to remember him as his hysterical role in Superbad or these movies that are coming out now. So obviously in the show notes, I have all his contact information. Um, and I'll also post all the stuff he talked about for uh, the shows that are coming out, the movies that are coming out, the next season of Brooklyn 911, um, um, Brooklyn 99, I'm sorry. And mix Reno 911 and Brooklyn 99. But uh, I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. It made my day to talk to Joel Chulio. I got to represent Aljamain, the Funkmaster Sterling. Shout out to Corey D'Ambra and Bobby Muser for reaching out to me today and give some good feedback on the podcast. I appreciate everybody that's listening. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bring your A game. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.